0: Welcome to the Pro Se Movie Club, where this week we'll be talking about My Cousin Vinny, the 1992 fish-out-of-water comedy starring Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei, about a Brooklyn Paisan defending a murder case in small-town Alabama. Pesci stars as the eponymous Vinny, a street-smart but extremely inexperienced attorney who's tasked with exonerating his cousin after he's falsely accused of killing a convenience store clerk. Vinny struggles with proper attire, with legal procedure, with a variety of loud noises but he ultimately prevails, with the help of Tomei's automotive prowess, and of course, with the help of some magic grits. I'm excited to talk this week about My Cousin Vinny.
1: Everything that guy just says, is bullshit. Thank you. Sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of quote I want to use Near daily.
0: There's no way that I can read that other than Steve taking a shot at me uh, and my intro, <laughs> which I thought was a terrific intro. I thought it was nice, yeah. Well, I assure you that everything I said was not bullshit, uh, <laughs> but I am here with uh, two utes to talk about a, uh, a very good movie, two people I like to chat about legal movies with, uh, Amber McKinney.
2: Nice to be here.
0: And Alex Lawson. I think the laws of physics
3: cease to exist in this podcast studio. <laughs> I'm very excited about that, of
0: course. Uh I'm glad that we did start with that clip though because yeah. it um uh, <laughs> I was as I was rewatching the movie I hadn't seen it in a while and um it really is sort of a thesis statement for the movie right because uh, you know I we all talk to lawyers every day and and I think <laughs> uh, I think the best lawyers will tell you that practicing law is among other things somewhat an exercise in in calling people's bs yeah yeah it I mean, plenty has been written about this, how, how generally accurate this movie is uh, to the law. And we will get into that later, but I thought one area where it really, um, you know, it really hit things well was that they built this, this Vinnie character around the idea of someone who's not really good at much that has to do with the law, but he is really good at sussing out when people are blowing smoke. He, it took him six times to pass the bar. He doesn't know it clearly doesn't know anything about, he doesn't even know to to wear a suit to to court. Um, but he he has this superpower, which is his ability to call BS when he sees it. And um, to me, that's one of the things that you see in really great lawyers—they scrutinize, they they come at people. And um, so I'm just thrilled that we're talking about it. It's uh, it, and it was just a blast to rewatch. Yes.
2: Yeah, my big takeaway is um, two things. One, this is the greatest legal movie of all time. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. It's, it's, I think it's, it's the best one. It's it's, it's in it. the
3: team picture, but like easily. I mean.
2: And part of the reason I think, you know, we will talk about how accurate it really is, but it's almost like a little magic trick, this movie, where Mm -hmm. it manages to be a fish out of water movie, which those are often some of the greatest comedies that you watch is that kind of setup, but it does it in a way that's entirely procedurally accurate. Mm -hmm. To me, that feels magical.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, You made a a good point, Bill, that like the... If the essence of trial law is just trying to say that the other side is incorrect, then he's obviously very good at that. But he has none of like the artifice of fancy lawyerdom or anything like that. And to your point, Amber, um, just like as a movie, uh, one I've seen this movie a million times, but when I rewatch it this time. Um, one thing that I don't think you, that I, that I don't think can be overstated is just how impressive it is at a conceptual level to make a straight comedy about a murder trial yeah. and oh, people sure. facing the death penalty. And not it's not like a dark comedy or subversive comedy. It's just a straight comedy. Right. And like mining material from that is like, Pretty tricky. Like this is not this is not the same thing at all. But when we talk about like our offbeat stories on Pro Se, we're always like, oh, someone died in this case. That's not really that funny. It's like this is literally about a murder trial, and it's just like this madcap zany uh, uh, adventure. It's great it's stuff. so true,
0: and it's it's um, at any point along the way, the the seriousness of either the procedure that they got right or yeah. the the seriousness of the crime that they that they were portraying could have really weighted it down. But I mean. I think I think that that is that is remedied by these two leads that we have here in Pesci and so obviously Marissa Tomei, who both blew me away on this rewatch.
2: Yeah, yes. I think we should talk a little bit about like orienting orienting this movie in time. So Goodfellas came out in 1990, and this movie came out two years later in 92. Yeah. I think that's a really important backdrop for how people watched this movie at the time, yes. because you really already had the only Pesci in your mind when you go in to watch this movie is the Goodfellas guy. Right. Yeah, and that dovetails so nicely with this extra level of italian new yorker that he's playing. Yeah.
3: Well he, and well and the other thing is he so he so rarely plays plays a leading man. He's like like well he he doesn't he didn't work that much uh even like he, he was pre- pretty selective overall but like was almost never a leading man but almost always did so in comedies and he really shines here. Uh Tome, of course helps. I mean she's like we'll we'll talk about her when when we get to that scene or whatever but an incredible performance. She won an Oscar for it as I think most people know. Um, and really kind of fortified her career there for a while. Um.
2: I would like to point out that Vinny's full name in the movie is <laughs> Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. I love this. It's just, I mean, these are such sort the of first. silly jokes, and that's part of the joy of this movie, right? You get these really broad takes on what it's like to be Southern. You get a lot about grits. You get yeah. really broad jokes about what it's like to be an Italian New Yorker. It's It's that broad comedy paired with all this... Accurate legal stuff It's mm. wild
0: Yeah they ha- they really do Ham it up But I But you, you it, it never bothers you Because it's what you want Out of this kind of movie Yeah
3: Also um one thing that struck me this time, um, kind of a great New York movie that never that doesn't have a single scene in New York, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just because like their like whole aesthetic and their like their characterizations play so well as the, in the fish out of the water, uh, fish
0: out of water well, component. Alex, yeah. I mean, you and I know this type of Brooklyn, you know where we live. <laughs> I in, mean, in Park Slope is very similar. That's, to
3: this. that's that's rough and tumble. Uh, uh, the yes.
0: strollers are everywhere. Just the mechanics are fixing them. I'm like, um, hey, I'm
3: walking here. To a stroller, right. not sure. a taxi cab. Sure, yeah. Um, we should probably talk about, um, we've already said how it's, you know, sort of very dutiful to the procedure of trial law. It's just generally very highly regarded in the legal community. Um, there, there's Every couple of years, um, someone will write an article about like, hey, lawyers really love my cousin, Vinny. There was mm-hmm. one uh, from a couple of years ago. I was reading um, an article in the Journal um, from Jacob Gershman um, that talked to a bunch of judges, and academics and lawyers, who just say it, it gets taught in law schools. Uh, Gershman talked to the South Carolina judge Joseph Anderson. Did you guys come upon this no. in your no, research? No, he's a huge fan. He owns the original, like the the, the prop, the sack of suds sign that hangs uh. over the crime scene also the gavel that the judge uses like he like collects memorabilia from this movie and he's also uh, a couple of years ago he wrote an essay that was 10 lessons young lawyers can learn from
0: Vinnie Gambini nice. uh, <laughs> uh,
3: he really takes it to heart so i mean it has it has a uh, very high standing
0: in the legal community i thought um uh, I thought the 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 duo that put this movie together was was also interesting. It was a director named Jonathan Lynn who yeah. didn't do a whole lot else other than this. Um, directed the Clue movie a few years yes. prior. Yeah. Directed the Whole Nine Yards a few years later. Um, oh, yeah. uh, the writing, I guess, is more the standout here than the directing. Bit, yeah. um, that was a guy named Dale Launer, uh who again didn't do much else. He co-wrote Dirty Rotten Scoundrels a few years earlier. Yes. Um, interesting movie. Uh, I mean, we should hit on a little bit of the... the Well,
2: I'm actually glad you brought up the director and writer here because I looked into this too because I was like, how did they get this so right? Jonathan Lynn has a law degree, so that really shows in this movie. Yeah. And he actually um, adjusted the script as they went to smooth out anything that wasn't procedurally correct. So, I mean, it really shows that someone was deeply involved in this movie that has a law degree.
0: Sure. Um, The rest of the cast, beyond just Pesci and Tomei, Pretty incredible. Alex, Any uh anybody stand out for you? Well, it's a it's a breeding ground for for like 90s character actors.
3: Like, sure. These are people whose names you don't know. I mean, there are people in the movie whose names, you know, as well. But like um the guy, I mean, I'll just rattle off a couple here. These are people who have like easy triple digits on IMDb. These people pop up and everything. Lane Smith plays the D.A. Probably most famously the Bill, you want to say it for me? He's the evil coach in Mighty Ducks. In the Mighty Ducks, <laughs> yes, that's 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 where we know him from. A wonderful actor, uh, Bruce McGill plays the sheriff. He was in Animal House, The Love Insider, a bunch of schlocky '90s action movies. I think he's in Time Cop. Uh, Maury Chaykin is the guy who plays the grits uh, witness. Yep, probably most famously the Harvey Weinstein proxy in Entourage. Uh, he was in Dances with Wolves, a couple other things. Um, Chris Ellis is the bar patron who I, oh, yeah. I I remember fondly from. He played Deke Slayton in Apollo 13, yeah. one of my very favorite movies. Different NASA guy in Armageddon, fictional NASA guy, after playing a real NASA guy. Then of course the GOAT character actor, James Rebhorn, who plays the uh automotive expert witness, Independence Day, the game, Meet the Parents, meet the parents. talented <laughs> Mr. Ripley, son of a woman. The guy was a legend, uh, and he's great in this. One movie. more guy who you yeah. didn't mention.
0: Uh, the judge was a guy named Fred
3: Gwynn. Oh, so
2: glad you got to him because uh, my Munster note for himself. him. Well, that's one way to look at it, or <laughs> one of the greatest Stephen King uh, horror movies, The Original Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a movie about that, that horror movie lover Amber really likes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing And that first scene when he when he meets and he's he's gonna weigh them in pro viche, and just like. You see the different, like, style, like, obviously Joe Pesci's, like, sort of, you know, outward character traits are pretty well established at that point. But he's just, he's so stately, and he's just so mannered, and he just, like, is so
0: appalled by what he's seeing yeah, in front but of him. Great performance. He's Fred physically Gwyn. imposing, too, yes. especially next to Pesci, yeah. who, you know, Diminutive. is about five, five. Yes. And this and Gwynn, I mean... Had to be six four six five. I mean, he's a giant. This is yeah. why he played Frankenstein. Played, yeah, right. It, you know,
3: it, in in
1: quotes and uh,
0: you know, monsters. One last nuts and bolts thing before we get to some of our favorite legal scenes. Uh, the movie grossed sixty four million dollars on an eleven million dollar budget. So a very pretty successful good. movie. Um, pretty highly regarded. It has an eighty six on Rotten Tomatoes. The vibe was that they did sort of a formulaic thing very well, which is a, a, a recurring theme that we've seen.
3: I'm on honestly legal surprised
2: movies. it's not higher. Lawyers, get over and uh, give that some reviews. Yeah, you got to click them. It,
3: it, it, did, um, it did occur to me before we start uh, diving into the legal uh, play-by-play here, because I don't think we'll focus on it that much. But maybe because I know that stuff, so chapter and verse. One thing that really stuck out this time, I really enjoy the like quieter Pesci and Tomei scenes. Like It's kind of like a chamber play between the two of them yeah. when they're in like the hotel room and stuff. And this obviously dovetails when he actually... Puts her on the stand. It's nice. It's nice little moments between them.
0: There's a lot of great little moments in this movie that aren't, yeah. that we're not going yeah, to directly get on these legal scenes, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's, it's filled with, about the, with what, fun little moments. Yes, yes. When he's asking
3: about the torque wrench and the toilet, yeah. the, 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 the faucet doesn't work.
0: Great stuff. All right, let's move on to our next segment, which is our favorite legal scenes from this movie. Now, the movie starts with our two leads, Bill and, uh, now I don't actually remember him. Sam? Who, Sam? No, Nathan? Not important. Wow. Okay. It's, uh, it's, uh, wow. it's uh, Rachel's husband, Barry, from Friends. Sure. Uh, they're they're <laughs> driving across the country. They're driving to uh, college in California. They've yes. cut through the south. They stop at a convenience store. They buy some things. They accidentally steal some tuna, and they're driving along, and they're worried about this, and they get pulled over by a police officer. And, and that's where we get into this first scene, which is yeah. the police believe that they have committed a murder. Because the the clerk was murdered after they left the store, they believe that they have purchased that they have stolen a can of tuna, and there is no simpler form of comedy than just a straight up little misunderstanding. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, listen, I love this movie. I have said glowing things about the
3: movie. I will continue to say them for the rest of the podcast. This is some of the most like shameless plot engineering i have ever seen this is straight out of three's company or something. i love it when oh yeah no i mean it's not even really a complaint but you know when the the sheriff sits him down and basically says you know when did you shoot the clerk and instead of he re- doesn't you know ralph macchio does not react like a normal person he, goes, he just uh, <laughs> he, he just repeats it right i shot the clerk <laughs> this turns into a confession you paid for the groceries
0: and then what
1: we went out to the car, and that's
0: it. When'd you shoot him? What? At what point did you shoot the clerk? I shot the clerk. Yes, when did you shoot him?
1: I shot the clerk. Hey Dean, you need you out here? I'm in the middle of a damn confession here.
3: It's crazy stuff. This is the inciting incident of the
0: movie. But they really draw it out. It's it's yes. like who's on first kind of kind of like para- yeah, yeah, pa- yeah. paradigm comedy stuff. Um and there's another one of these scenes a little while later in the movie that I, I thought they were very similar of when Vinny first shows up in prison and oh yeah, uh, Stan believes that that, uh, that that something really different is about to happen in their prison cell and it's the same vibe of just drawing it out and out and out and the viewer knows both sides. It's
3: it's good stuff. Classic dramatic irony. Also, uh, with regard to the you know his confession scene, his accidental confession. This is why you have an attorney present at questioning, isn't that right, Amber?
2: Uh, absolutely. That's a that's a good thing to pick up on, actually. That's
3: that's the first thing I thought of. Now he thinks it's like some petty theft thing that he's been rung up for. He probably doesn't think it's that big of a deal, but there you go. I think that's a teachable moment here. Our next scene is we fast forward a little bit. Uh, the well, hang on though. Wait before before we get to the next one, at the end of this scene, after after he after they realize what's up, I just wanted to to bounce this off of you. We get uh, Ralph Macchio does the. Uh, Says the name of the title in the movie. It was a good, and I, I know you're a big fan of that. Don't you have some kind of ritual you do? You want to tell the people about that?
0: Every time it happens, I have to <laughs> loudly whisper to to whoever I'm with. Title reference. There it is. That's what it is. He's. I've. I've. I've seen him do it, folks. Many times. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Just. Just. Just wanted to have that on record there. Uh. So Vinny, my cousin Vinny. Yeah. Is right. now in uh, is now in Alabama. He's come down to represent Bill and and. I can't remember his name. Stan. Why does Stan. why do I keep forgetting that? He's come down to to represent them, and um, they are before the judge for their arraignment. And uh, it's great. It sets the scene for the rest of the movie. It's um, the judge uh, just sort of mocks Vinny for his clothes. He tells him to stand up. Amber, what did you think about the scene?
2: There is. This is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie because. It is heightened because he's wearing a leather jacket. He really looks like out of central casting for Italian guy from Brooklyn. Well, the prosecutor
3: thinks he's the defendant <laughs> right, first, right? <laughs>
2: yes. So I love all of that setup and that it's heightened. But what I love the most is that judges do care about courtroom attire. Like, how many times have we written at Law Three Hundred and Sixty or you know been reading in a transcript of a case? That a judge admonishes somebody for not being dressed in what they consider appropriate sure. courtroom wear. So that's all very real. You hear stories like this all the time. And then I love where where it ends up that in a lesser movie, the judge would admonish Vinny and then that'd be the end of it. But no, the judge holds him in contempt of court. Yeah. And that's what judges do all the time when they're mad about some breach of procedure.
4: Next words out of your mouth are either going to be guilty or not guilty. I don't want to hear commentary, argument or opinion, if I hear anything other than guilty or not guilty, you'll be in contempt. I don't even want to hear you clear your throat. I hope I've been clear. Now, how do your clients plead?
1: I think I get
4: the point. No, I don't think you do. You're now in contempt of court. Would you like to go for two counts of contempt? Not guilty. Thank you. It's a great movie for running bits.
3: Uh, the being held in contempt of, is probably high among them. Before sure. we even get to that, though, I really like the. There's, there, there's some non-verbal comedy that happens at the very beginning of the scene. Like I said, the 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 DA Trotter thinks that he's the 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 defendant, which is a pretty solid joke. And then uh, he does uh, Vinny does the thing where he's like. He sees him opening the briefcase and like shuffling the papers, and he's trying to like mirror his like (laughs) his 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 like patterns or whatever because he doesn't know like okay beyond what I'm supposed to argue, what I'm supposed to say, like how should I be in this courtroom, like how should I present myself? It's like it's extremely hilarious. I
2: also really like that when the judge is sort of wound up and he's mad at that point, the thing he tells. Uh, Vinny to do is to look lawyerly. Oh yeah, which uh, that's just a great. It, it's got it's got a southern vibe to it. The idea that someone say look lawyerly, right? Love that line.
3: It also rolls out of his in his southern drawl is a pretty great. You would yeah, lawyerly, love
4: just, it. Like, he's like like foghorn
3: leghorn. It's up great. There. It's good
4: stuff. Next time you come into my courtroom, you will look lawyerly, and I mean you comb your hair and wear a suit and tie, and that suit better be made out of some kind of cloth. You understand me?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, fine.
3: Um, the other thing, um, the other sort of breach of protocol, procedure that he, that he uh, flouts is he doesn't stand up when he, uh, when he addresses the court. And then he's, he just immediately gets defensive about it. He's like, well, he told me to sit over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. Like It's not even like one of the top, I don't know, 20 or so jokes in right. this movie. But it made me laugh a lot because he's like, I'm just doing what I was told. He told me to sit over here. Talking about the other lawyer.
2: Yes. I think the drinking game for people listening to this podcast right now might be how many times we all say "procedure" or "procedural." Yeah, right. good, yeah. good call. But one of the things I like right after this scene, um, when Mona Lisa is picking Vinny up after his <laughs> stay uh, in in jail because he had contempt of court, um, she's sort of like, "You're blowing. Like you're not doing a good job. What's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah. What did you learn in law oh, school?" Oh yeah, I I, I I
3: thought you would have the reason on this. I
2: really like the next bit of this. <laughs> is that so rarely do people actually acknowledge that you don't learn all the things you need to know as a lawyer in law school. You only learn how to think like a lawyer, how to process and read and understand like precedents and and Mm -hmm. legal writing. Mm -hmm. You don't learn some of these nuts and bolts. And Vinny just lays that out for her in a great way where he just talks about He says, law school doesn't teach you procedure, your firm teaches you that, or else you have to go into court and just watch and pick it up. And I've never heard that in other movies, put so bluntly, and it's so true. Um, Then he does this whole riff where he compares learning procedure to rebuilding a carburetor, which is a great analogy.
1: It's like
5: so spot on. I don't know how you can be so sure when you don't know what it is you're supposed to know. It's a
1: procedure. Like rebuilding a carburetor
5: has a procedure.
1: You know when you rebuild a carburetor, the first thing you do is you take the carburetor off the manifold? Supposing you skip the first step. And while you're replacing one of the jets, you accidentally drop the jet, it goes down the carburetor, rolls along the manifold and goes into the head. You're fucked. You just learned the hard way that you got to remove the carburetor first, right? So that's all that happened to me today. I learned the hard way. Actually, it was a good learning experience to me.
0: Well, and and this movie... It not only has running bits, but it lays down things that are going to come in later. And the car stuff, obviously, they lay down throughout the whole movie that early on the the tires with the with the mud in the tires. And she knows a lot about cars. And then they're making these analogies about cars. Um, It really sets the scene for what's going to come next. Uh, The next scene that we're going to talk about is where uh, Bill and Stan have have obviously (laughs) uh, come to be somewhat nervous about using Vinny as their attorney. And um there's a public defender that could maybe take over the case for them. So Vinny sits down with Bill to talk about why he should be his attorney. And it's the first moment in the movie where you really have an aha moment about like, well, this guy's goofy and he's wearing a leather jacket into court, he doesn't know anything. But you get the sense that that he really is he really is smart and he really has like a good reason for why he could win this case.
1: The DA's gotta build a case. Building a case is like building a house. Each piece of evidence is just another building block. He wants to make a brick bunker of a building. He wants to use serious, solid-looking bricks, like, like these, right? Right. Let me show you He's gonna show you the bricks. He'll show you they got straight sides. He'll show you how they got the right shape. He showed them to you in a very special way so that they appear to have everything a brick should have. But there's one thing he's not going to show you. When you look at the bricks at the right angle, they're as thin as this playing card. His whole case is an illusion, a magic trick. It has to be an illusion because you're innocent. Nobody, I mean nobody, pulls the wool over the eyes of a Gambini, especially this one.
3: It's kind of what I was getting to in the beginning when we were talking about he understands, like, the goal of, of like, litigation, right? Like, he, he gets it. He just doesn't quite know how to do it yet. Right. But he understands it at a, at a conceptual level.
2: I also think this movie, like I said in the beginning, it's like a magic trick to me where um, they manage to be so accurate, but they do it with stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> it's... They make him the street-smart New Yorker. Yeah. Like, that's his right. archetype. But they turn that into not just the traditional way you see that in the movies. They make it into, like, and that will make him succeed even in this southern courtroom. So, yeah, yeah. it's a great moment. It's
3: really a high point for Italian stereotypes is what you're saying.
2: I mean, if you're going to have stereotypes, <laughs> these are the best ones that can be done. <laughs> yes. I mean, we are joking a little. I mean, it really does have stereotypes both of the South and I'm from, I call it Mountains South, Mountain West South, Virginia. Yes. Um, but... Also, the North where we all live now, um, but they do it in a way that it's not derogatory toward either side. Like right. it's pretty. Uh, they really are pretty positive on both ends of that. Yeah. Spectrum. Well, they also
3: flip the dynamics, like kind of, because it's like even though they are from New York, they're the ones who like are the simpletons, at least in the ways of the law. Right. Sure. The judge and the DA, like they are sort of the more high society ones. It's sort of a subtle like difference there but yeah. it's uh, like yeah like you say the 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 caricatures are just a just a little bit more nuanced there.
0: well during Vinny's during vinnie's pro hoc vicha meeting oh, yeah. with the judge he looks up and sees the I mean, judge the went to yale exactly that's so, what i'm saying yeah, yeah it's it is a nice inversion of that sort of yokel and yes, city sure. slicker yes. kind of thing we've talked a lot about how people cite this movie a lot as a sort of digestible way to explain the law it really distills the essence of a criminal trial even in that speech that he gives to bill which is They need, they need to build the house. All I need to show is that their bricks aren't good that, you know, and it it sort of gets to that, um, that basic idea. You could show this to a 1L and sort of give the basics of, of how criminal law works. He's describing the finer points of cross-examination
3: without knowing that that's actually
0: what he's talking about. Yeah. (laughs) But yes. Yeah. Um, so we move from there and, um, there is a preliminary hearing. It, uh, goes well for Vinny. It does not go well for the public defender, And we move toward the trial, and uh, the trial, of course, begins with Vinny wearing a very ridiculous tuxedo. He has dropped his suit (laughs) into the mud. Um, There's some other good stuff about, uh, you know, Brady disclosures. We can get to that in in, in when we talk about what they got right and what they got wrong. Um, but you know, the prosecution puts on their case, they have their witnesses. They seem to have three really, really good eyewitnesses there. These are the bricks that Vinny was oh, describing. Yeah. And, um, but then we get to Vinny's cross exams and that's really the scene that we're going to hit on here, which is, I think the heart of the movie, which is Definitely. you, you it, I said before it was the aha moment. This is really the moment when you see Vinny's superpower, which is he can poke holes. He doesn't know the procedures. He doesn't know. When to stand up, he doesn't know what to do. He keeps getting thrown in contempt. But when you put him on the when you put him out there with people who here's what they're saying happened, he can immediately say no, 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 no.
3: Yeah, he's he is seizing upon ambiguities in the testimony. I mean, he we, we seen there's a there's a little there's a sort of mini montage where he's interviewing the witnesses and he's clearly seen shortcomings in the statements they have given. The prosecution, of course, sees this as airtight but, you know, I mean, I don't know if you just want to start talking about the about the grits guy first. Oh, I mean, let's
2: go with that first. I would love that. For sure. Okay,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, he says, you know, I they were in there for about five minutes, you know, and I know that because I have pegged this to my grits preparation. This to Vinny... Now, he is not a grits expert, as is established earlier in the movie, but he knows enough to know that that is a little bit fuzzy. It's like, oh, it was five minutes. Like, are we positive about that? You know, and then, of course, we peg it to this definitive thing about grits preparation. And that is, that is, that is cross-examination 101. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a hole in your statement. I'm bursting through the hole and exposing it.
1: Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the Earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, your objection, <laughs> Your Honor.
4: Objection sustained. Are you it's sure the about that you five minutes? The question.
1: Know. Are you sure about that yeah, five minutes? I
4: don't know. I think you made your point.
1: Are you sure about that five minutes?
4: I may have been mistaken.
1: I got no more use for this guy.
2: I think it's also a great lesson in screenwriting that they seeded that scene well early in the movie, where exactly. he's t- in the diner and he's talking to the cook, and he doesn't even know what grits are. Yeah. And so, um, so that's call both a callback, the, folks. That's the callback, <laughs> but also a lesson in you know you do need to understand your local environment to be a good trial attorney. So it's kind of both sides of that coin. Yeah. I also just really I really love that this is a scene that is emulated well in other movies that I enjoy I yeah. mean I I've sung the praises of Legally Blonde Th- yeah. that movie owes a big debt to this scene in My Cousin No movie. shade sure. on Legally
3: Blonde we love the movie Um, I mean, that's just, I mean this is basically the same thing Absolutely. <laughs> like the, it, Absolutely. It, you, you sub out perm
0: maintenance for grits preparation it's basically the same
2: thing 100% yeah.
0: and they do a good job of you, you need to when you're trying to have legal drama, you need to make sure that all of these things are a little bit different and they're different in a digestible way for the viewer and that's what happens here. You have the the first thing is a you know a time distinction, and the analogy is grits. Yeah. The second thing is a visual thing about how he couldn't see through, and he needs to get the guy to say, you know, what what is this? Oh man, are they yeah. leaves? Yeah, yeah, shout them out if you know them. <laughs> shout them out when you know. And the third one yeah. is of course the use of a prop, where you have the big long the visual tape aid. measure. What yes. did you guys think about those?
2: Well, I was at home watching this movie and thought to myself. Bill Donahue's going to have a lot to say about this tape measure. Because I know you love a prop in a courtroom scene. Sure. <laughs> and this is a quintessential prop in a courtroom scene. It It is very visually impactful for him to walk to the very back of the courtroom with this tape measure and then announce that he's only half of the way of yeah. how far she was allegedly, you know, able to see uh, the people that committed this crime. So, yeah, I thought it was a great use of it. Would you
1: hold this, please? Thank you. Sorry, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Okay, this is 50 feet. That's half the distance. How many fingers am I holding up?
4: Let the record show that Counselor's holding up two fingers.
1: Your Honor, please, huh? Oh, sorry. Now, Mrs. Riley. And only Mrs. Riley. How many fingers am I holding up now? Four. What do you think now, dear? Uh, Thinking of getting
5: thicker glasses.
3: One thing that I like about that one in particular, the woman with the uh, bad eyesight, is that um, when he's when he's doing the questioning, the ju- like there's a subtle he like flips the power dynamic with the judge because remember the judge answers his question first when he says how many fingers am I holding up? He says let the court let let, let the record show that you know the attorney is holding up two right. fingers. It's like, judge, please. And, and, and the judge is like, oh, yeah, I'm the one who messed up now. It's like a, you can see him kind of like gaining confidence and like just s- subtly inverting the power dynamics.
2: Another thing I really like about that that is also about power dynamics is that his questioning of that witness is very gentle because she's obviously, you know, this grandmotherly type figure. Yeah. And so he questions her in a way where yeah, that's true. he's almost like her friend. He doesn't want the jury, of course, to think he's being mean or rude in this you know, tough New Yorker on a grandmother type lady. Yeah. That's so true. that's a real lesson for how to conduct yourself in a trial as well, that you have to treat each witness differently depending on their own demeanor. Yes.
0: You mentioned he was a tough New Yorker. It's just a small aside, but there there are a lot of good New York accents throughout this movie. But the this moment in particular when he's carrying the tape measure back, he's going, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. And then when the judge yells out what the thing is, he goes your Honor <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's very good stuff.
2: <laughs> I know stuff. that we had mentioned earlier um about the utes Um uh, we've made a, a <laughs> reference to that. I did just want to say as far as New York accents go, um I saw a little clip where the director was talking about where that came from and it was because he actually just had a production style meeting with Joe Pesci who said utes No. And the and he was like, What? And then nice. Pesci was like, What do you mean yutes? And so they basically <laughs> just lifted that dialogue and put it into You love movie. saying,
4: Well that's going in the movie.
1: Is it possible, to two youths...
4: Uh, uh, to what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. What is a youth?
1: Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths you the <laughs> Like his over-enunciation of the,
0: and of then the he like gentile accent. And yeah. then a second later he goes, The defendants. The def- <laughs> shoots a
3: glance at the judge. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, that you know, this is the high point for Vinny. Things are going very well. It's sort of the end of the second act. And of course we need a conflict before we get there, which is uh, the prosecution produces this automotive expert oh, yes. played by James Rebhorn. Great James Rebhorn. And, uh, you know, the guy has... has he testifies that the exact residue left on the concrete is the residue from the car. It's, uh, it's a headshot. The, they are
3: identical,
0: <laughs> in the words of the DA.
3: I that got said at my college apartment more times than I cared. Like any nice. anytime something was similar to something else, identical. He really
0: he really does. Uh, what's his name? Lane Smith. Lane he, Smith. He really does kill it in this movie. We yeah. should give him a special among all the character actors. So good. Really, really kills it. Yeah. But um, very authoritative. So you have this moment where Vinny has to scramble to to deal with this. We have a very we have a great little uh, you know in camera thing up with the with the judge talking about. Um, or I probably used in camera wrong, but uh, <laughs> speaking before the judge and talking about how you rebut expert up. expert witnesses and oh, all that. Yeah. And, um, a very well reasoned objection that is overruled. Right. Um, <laughs> so all Vinny has left at this point is to uh, put. Marissa Tomei, Mona Lisa on the stand, who is, as we have seen throughout the film, an automotive expert herself.
3: Yes, well, you. I, I'm glad you used her full name there, by the way, because you 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 made the point of saying you know Vincent Laguardia Gambini. Yes, Mona Lisa Vito is just an A plus character. Incredible. Name. You, like I like just na- naming characters is not easy. If you've ever tried to like do like creative writing, that's like harder than you think it is. And we got some good ones here. That's just a little aside. So anyway, she is on the stand. What I like about the, this scene is like the way that this all kind of fits together cuz like he's he's poked enough holes on cross in the witness statements to raise certainly raise doubts but you know given the makeup of the jury uh you know we, one one perspective one juror literally said fry him uh when uh, during during war <laughs> yeah. here. i don't know that like just poking holes would rise to reasonable doubt in the minds of this jury so like just him doing that and saying, like, oh, you know, are you sure it was five minutes? You really can't see this far. That's not enough. Um, at least, you know, in, in their mind. They are they building another part of the case here, and that's where we get to the dueling experts.
5: The car that made these two equal length tire marks had positive traction. You can't make those marks without positive traction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark.
1: And why not? What is positive traction?
5: It's a limited-slip differential, which distributes power equally to both the right and left tires. The 64 Skylark had a regular differential, which anyone who's been stuck in the mud in Alabama knows. You step on the gas, one tire spins, the other tire does nothing. (laughs) That's right. Is that it? No, there's more. You see, when the left tire mark goes up on the curb and the right tire mark stays flat and even, well, the 64 Skylock had a solid rear axle. So, when the left tire would go up on the curb, the right tire would tilt out and ride along its edge. But that didn't happen here. The tire mark stayed flat and even. This car had an independent rear suspension. Now. In the 60s, there were only two other cars made in America that had positive traction and independent rear suspension and enough power to make these marks. One was the Corvette, which could never be confused with the Buick Skylark. The other had the same body length, height, width, weight, wheelbase, and wheel track as the 64 Skylark, and that was the 1963 Pontiac Tempest.
1: And because both cars were made by GM, were both cars available in metallic mint green paint? They what? Thank you, Ms. Vito. No more questions. Thank you very, very much. You've been a lovely, lovely witness.
0: And it's not just that we've seen that Mona Lisa is an automotive expert. This scene directly calls back to when they're in the motel and they're arguing about the leaky sink. And yep. she has this these very specific legalistic responses. And even down to her cadence in this testimony, oh, yeah. it's the same thing. So the screenwriter really sort of set this all up in advance. And and eventually we get into independent rear suspensions and pause attraction and all that Um and we have the triumphant moment. Amber, do you think it came together too cleanly or do you think do you think as like the viewer you sort of you're you're buying it as it's happening?
2: I think you want it to be clean because I mean again, this is a comedy. So I think you want some like tidy happy resolution at the end here. And this brings together not just the storylines of the trial, but it also brings together this sort of running storyline of the personal back and forth between Vinny and Mona Lisa. So it actually brings the whole movie together. The lover's
0: quarrel on the witness (laughs) stand. And she's been saying that she wants to help the whole movie and that he can't find a way for her to help. And all of a sudden... She wins the whole case, which is a, a wonderful little inversion of what we think is going to happen.
3: We didn't. We, we didn't talk about it, but when she's when she's shown him the pictures and stuff uh, about because she's like because she had taken like crime scene photos or whatever, and he's like the case breaker! me in the shower, amazing stuff.
0: <laughs> which I was what? rewatching the movie last night and I freeze framed it. I do believe that you can see uh, Joe Pesci naked fully in that shot. I don't think they wanted you to see that, but a little Pesci. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, anyway.
2: Well, I like in the scene, too, because it is sort of this domestic squabble know, mixed yeah. into the courtroom uh, stuff that at, when she's being very um, reticent to answer questions and, and yeah. she's mad at him on the stand, Joe Pesci, Vinny, does say, like, I want to treat her as a hostile witness. And the judge is <laughs> just sort of like, oh, it's your girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, go right. ahead.
3: Uh, to your question about uh, the sort of cleanliness of the ending, um, where it's pretty well determined that their car could not have made those tire tracks. Um, I like that. There's no, we've so often movies like this turn on dramatic, you know, witness stand confessions. Like we've all seen that a million times. This isn't that though. I mean, it it is, it is built out from cross examining, cross examination, questioning and expert testimony. And like on paper, that's kind of boring and maybe how most trials are won. Right. But here, I mean, it's obvious. It's a, it's a, Movie And it's very entertaining. I, I think that that is like it, it, it really makes it very distinct in this genre. And it's um,
0: very interesting to watch. So, of course, Vinny has had the sheriff who seemed like a big bad early oh, on yeah. go and run uh, looking for a I believe it was a Pontiac Tempest uh, 1963 Pontiac Tempest, yeah. <laughs> uh, which perhaps could have stood in for our 1964 Buick Skylark Both made by GM. And, uh, (laughs) of course, they, of course, do find that with two men who look similar to the defendants. The 357 Magnum is Uh, in the glove. Another great callback, because when he's
3: talking to the when he's talking to the D.A., he said, what do you think of the case? And what does the D.A. say? He says, well, I'd like to have a murder weapon. And then exactly. of course they find it in the car.
0: And so, you know, they win the case and they have to they of course have to get out of Dodge before uh before they the this is another running gag that's been going on throughout the movie that yeah. that Pesci has been lying about. He's been his, committing fraud. <laughs> uh he's been lying in his pro hoc vicha uh, yes. the entire time. But yes. um uh But, yeah, I mean, what did you guys think about the very end, about the, you know, getting out of...
2: Well, you know, (laughs) honestly, this feels like a good time to sort of almost segue into the final thing we always talk about, which is, like, what the movie got right and wrong about the law. The biggest thing they got wrong about the law is he's lying the whole time about (laughs) his credentials. Right. Like, for a movie I praise is what I think is one of the greatest legal movies. Yeah. That's a pretty big, bold thing to lie about to a judge.
0: And he got a judge... To lie on his behalf, it's the right. the judge who was his mentor oh, in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, right, yeah, was judge able Malloy. to Judge Malloy <laughs> was able to call down and lie and say that his name was Joey Callow. And
2: I mean, I don't think I need to say this to our listeners, it's Jerry. but uh, if,
3: And and the reason, no, I'm not cutting the uh, the reason that I say that is because sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry. I always think of that of this guy whenever Rangers outfielder Joey Gallo is in the news. <laughs> Jerry Gallo, Jerry Gallo confusion here. ever keep going. No, yeah, <laughs> I was just
2: going to do that thing that I feel like I, I feel obligated to say, which is like, don't lie about stuff like this, lawyers of the world. I mean, I feel like we're going to get a pro se offbeat at some point and be like, it's just like the, my cousin Vinny's trope here. Yeah, I was
3: trying to figure out if, like, his basically committing fraud on the court. Now, it's not an open court. It's to the judge. Would, like imperil the verdict for some reason? No, because I, the ex- I don't, I don't exculpatory think so. evidence
0: no. came out as, as a result yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it wouldn't have... He would be open for sanction, I guess,
2: that would happen. Oh, I think he would right. be
0: disbarred. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I also think this is a really... Um, this dates the movie in a way, because... A lot of stuff that's going on communicating between New York and Alabama is like, they're faxing things, they're making phone calls. Like, this would all be found out so quickly in the present day.
0: Yes. Well, I I think and, and I think we sort of have transitioned to it as as, you know, sort of naturally. But let's talk. Let's get into it about what they got right and what they got wrong, as we've alluded to. This movie is particularly well-regarded for yes. its accuracy. Mm-hmm. It has been praised by many legal uh, commentators, by judges. It's cited in opinions. It's um, Yes. Um, and and with good reason. They run through uh, a pro hoc vice admi- admission, the arraignment process, voir dire, the concept of Brady disclosures with the whole back and forth with mm-hmm. uh, Pesci and Tomei, objections, expert witness testimony. They really do seem to hit a lot of things very well.
2: Bill, you are singing my song here because I was trying to come up with things that we would talk about. And of course, the big glaring one is lying to a judge yeah. to, to, yes. be again, to be able to be Which, again, not an
3: inaccuracy. We talked about this in yeah, Legally right. Blonde a little bit. You right. could do it. It's uh, just bad. It's bad. Just don't and, do that. And, you know, it's not a, it's not something for lawyers to look up to, which right. I mentioned right. earlier. But, yeah, um, to strive but,
2: towards. But what you were doing there, Bill, where you list all the things they go through in the life cycle of this case, I also made a list of some of the things you can learn, uh, especially if you're like a young lawyer or a law student just by watching this movie. Criminal procedure, number one. Yep. Uh, courtroom decorum, that's in there. Yes. Professional responsibility and unethical behavior is in there. The role of the judge at the trial, what exactly the judge does. Mm. Effective cross exams, the role of expert witnesses. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. It really hits all the big high points of trial law.
3: I had a couple of questions. I mean, it's it's definitely true to say that, like, the, the, that its accuracy is basically the legacy, at least in the legal community. Um, when he's questioning the guy about the grits... He kind of I think he kind of assumes facts that aren't in evidence about grits taking 20 minutes to cook. I think I think a lot of trial lawyers would tell you that like you would have to like ask someone. I'm not going to say you should get a grits expert up there, <laughs> but you, which would be great. Um but you might even have to get the witness to say in an earlier point in the questioning like how long does it take you to make grits right. and then do it? Again, very nitpicky here on the edges. I it- am a
0: professor from UCLA Law, <laughs> and uh, I am an expert in grits. I focus on regular grits and instant grits. Um, uh, I'm a southern <laughs> breakfast expert. Yeah,
3: right. Um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah. So the the automotive expert, the uh, James Rebhorn, it is sp- – the DA springs it on Vinny as like a surprise. He calls him on the phone and says, I got a big surprise for you tomorrow. And then, of course, they have this back and forth about how, you know, the, we, the defense, did not have time to repair. He makes an objection over the thing that I'm talking about, like yes. saying like, you can't spring this on us. Then it's just overruled. Not really clear why, other than maybe the judge just doesn't like him. However, also, though, I have a question. It's a surprise witness. But then the 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 expert gets on the witness and says like I have taken these to the lab like I've compared the samples. This presumably took I don't know several weeks to,
2: to happen. So when did this all go down? This may be the same sort of bucket um, where I was quibbling over like Vinny shouldn't have lied to to be admitted to yeah, practice yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in that court, and this may be the same bucket of like it's not inaccurate that yeah. things like this happen and get overruled a lot. This would basically be the basis of uh, of your appeal, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, this that's would be a, that's how you appeal. Yes. Um, the one thing I would add to that, I did really like the accuracy of when Mona Lisa is on the stand and they're going through this whole exercise of like, is she qualified as an expert here? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a really teachable scene. But one of the things I like the most about it is that Vinny very smartly says she's just a general automotive expert, mm-hmm. not that she's a tire and tread mm-hmm. expert like the other one was. Yeah. So it's much easier to prove her bona fides in that way, which I thought was a really clever moment.
3: Mm-hmm. Other thing I wanted to shout out um, as I was researching the you know truth or falsity of these of this of this movie, um, one of the like sort of landmark Supreme Court cases that governs the application of admissibility of uh, expert testimony is actually uh, Kumho Tires from 1999. It's it's about it's a case about tires that like is about the admissibility of expert evidence. I thought that was kind of funny. I don't yeah, know if it's that's great. Probably just a coincidence. Um in fact and I'm sure it's a coincidence because I just realized now that case came down in 1999 uh, after this movie was out. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. That's a product liability case. There was like a tire blowout. And there, there was a lawsuit after that. So that's just kind of a fun little wrinkle after the fact.
0: If you're just joining us, this is Tire Talk.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie turns on. The whole case turns I on I
2: mean, us. since we all pretty much agree this is a very accurate movie, which yeah. we don't often have these to talk about on Pro Se Movie Club, um, I think one of the things that I decided to do was just to see what kind of people love it, you know, what that say good things about the accuracy. Oh, yeah. um, Richard Posner, a famed jurist who also writes a whole lot Wrote a lot about this movie. Um, he called it particularly rich in practice tips, mm. and then kind of went through the list like like I did and like build it a few minutes ago. list a lot of things that the movie gets right and that people can learn from it. And then one that I really liked: um, current uh, attorney general, one time possible Supreme Court justice Merrick Garland, right. when he was on the um, D.C. Circuit. Mm-hmm. Actually cited to this movie in oh, an yeah. opinion and said this in 1992, Vincent Gambini taught a master class in cross examination. There you go, that's exactly <laughs> which right. Is I agree, Merrick Garland. Yeah. It's a master class for sure.
3: <laughs> now he would charge for that on a podcast ad. Um, but anyway. um, uh, the other re- the other thing I wanted to note. Um, on, on the issue of realism generally, I've found that even outside of um, legal movies, comedies tend to do this better. Um, if you talk to doctors or medical professionals, one, one one thing they always say is that like scrubs has like always gotten like the medical profession correct. That's
0: funny. And I, I wonder think, why that
3: would be. Or, well, well the, the, the most correct as opposed to the ERs of the world yep. or anything like that. And I think there's probably some there's probably a corollary, something to be said about like the sort of mundanity of like the, this is a height, this is a murder trial where people are facing the death penalty. But like just in terms of procedure, there I go, I said it again. Like this is kind of mundane and like it it I think it helps if you take a lighter touch and like take a comedic sort sure. of sensibility approach to it. So that was that 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 stuck out to me.
0: Let's uh let's get out from uh this episode with a little discussion as we often do about what this movie said about the law. It's sort of silly when you're talking about uh, a comedy like this, but as we've said, it's, it's highly regarded among attorneys, and clearly people think it has something to teach us about, about the legal profession. Um, Amber, what'd you think?
2: So I know some people say the fictional lawyer that inspired them to pursue a, a career in the law is Atticus Finch. That's the answer you hear all the time. But for my money, it's Vinnie Gambini. And the reason I think that is because he pays attention to details. He doesn't give up. He learns by doing, which is a core skill for lawyers. Yeah. And frankly, anybody willing to take the bar repeatedly six times, <laughs> yes, six times is a, so tough, yeah. has a true passion for the that. law. Yeah, I true. think that he is. If you're going to model your career after the demeanor of an attorney. It is surprising that this stereotype of an Italian-American from New York City who actually lies to a judge, so that's not great, um, but he has so many other redeeming qualities that make him a perfect fit as a lawyer, and that's my big takeaway.
3: Um, before I get to my big takeaways, just a, just a little spare thought here. I kept a running tally of words that it was great to hear Marissa Tomei pronounce, uh, torque, deer, the defense is wrong. Dia, <laughs> a, 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 little, a little dia, so good. Uh, and then, of course, Buick Skylock. Sure. Um, so, anyway, um, in terms of like what the what the movie sort of says about the law and the legal system, I, I I just think it's like it positions the law as like sort of like a crucible. There's all there's like it's it's a it's an important institution. But it's, you know, in order to get it right, you have to hit all these little points of, like, you know, you have to ask questions in the right way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to um, comport yourself in a certain fashion. And it's hard on him. The movie hammers this home by, like, literally throwing him into jail every time he messes up one of these things. This is, like, the most extreme version of, like, you know, trial by error or whatever. Or trial and error. So, um and it makes it it makes the sort of when he wins it it it's sort of it it underscores that that victory a little more because you you literally see the work that had to go into yeah. it. Yeah. The and it's and it's in the minutia, right? It's not about like I need to coerce a confession out of somebody. It's like I need to organize my thoughts. I need to do effective cross-examination and then I need to structure an an expert witness, you know, on on direct and all of that stuff. Um and so yeah, it, it it drills down into the minutia of the law in a way that is very
0: satisfying when our when our hero comes out on top. Sure, it's um I saw a good quote that was uh, and and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's that um the I think it was from a law school dean or someone or a professor, but it was that Vinny is. Doesn't know any of the stuff that we actually teach at law school, but he's really, really good at the stuff we don't teach in law school.
3: Oh, yeah. Which is
0: good. he he has that, uh, you know, the demeanor, the drive, all the stuff that you want out of a lawyer, which is to scrutinize things. And then as Alex said... We watch him learn the minutia yes. and the things he has to do. It's 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 a cool experience to watch. Um, you know, I it, I think to a certain extent it sounds like we're over intellectualizing this sort of like goofy comedy, but that never stopped me before. But it's fun. To, <laughs> yeah. But it you know it really is fun to watch that that yes. um, you know what Amber said about his demeanor sort of go through that that crucible of yep. of this case and come out as someone who you go, well this is actually kind of a decent lawyer. It's a Great movie. I hope we did it justice.
3: Thanks for joining us this week on the Pro Se Movie Club. We'd like to thank our producer, Stephen Trader, for editing today's show, as well as our graphic designer, Chris Yates. Music for the show comes from Ashley Shadow. The Movie Club will be back next week when we will consider a pressing hypothetical. What if Satan was a lawyer? Join us for a lively discussion of The Devil's Advocate. See you next week.
1: I got no more use for this guy.